Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Hello, hello, hello. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics today, establishing boundaries. Maybe you're going, hell no, Karen, I am out. That is a nightmare. But please stick around. You're really going to love it. It's going to be so beneficial in your life, really. Okay, before we get started, I want to talk about my new favorite thing. I just have been telling everybody about the show all week long, and it's a docuseries. And I really, really love it. So just a backup, I've been trying to find a show to watch because the shows I've watched are I've either caught up or I'm waiting for the new season premiere. So I'm so excited for the new season premieres this week. And I'm also kind of just tired of like the monotony of drama. And so I've been noticing I've been going back to more nonfiction kind of makes sense, right? I've always been into other people's journeys to see what is possible for myself. So this new docuseries is on Netflix. If you have Netflix, this is awesome. I've really been enjoying it. And my husband, who doesn't really like to watch television, which makes me a little confused sometimes. Anyways, he actually is like, hey, do you want to go watch the next episode? Or do you want to go watch, you know, some more of it? But it's this docuseries on Netflix, and it's called Inside Bill's Brain, Decoding Bill Gates. So of course, I'm like fascinated. Somebody's giving me an inside look into their brain and what are the things that drove them? What are the things that inspired them? What have them made them who they became? Totally in. I've really enjoyed it and we've been watching it. I don't know. I think there's maybe three episodes so far. I don't know how many there are going to be, but I really, really recommend it. It's awesome. And here are a couple of my takeaways from this. One is, remember, there's this idea of common humanity, which is an attribute of compassion, which is one of my favorite feeling states to be in. And common humanity is this idea, and Kristen Neff talked about it when I interviewed her on my show, but common humanity is this idea that you're not the only one, right? You're not going it alone because so often when we're feeling shame, we believe these stories in our brain of I am bad, it's only me, everybody else is so much better, right? And that's how we get into compare and despair. And so one of the things that I love about listening to other people's stories, I'm like, oh, I'm not the only one. So there was one of the things that I remember Bill Gates talking about in his early years of Microsoft was he was really, really adamant, took a lot of responsibility of having employees. And I get that. You know, I remember when I was first taking on full-time employees, I was like, oh my gosh, and their family's relying on me. And, and what if, what if things don't go this way? And oh my gosh, right? So I would start dress rehearsing tragedy. But one of the things that I loved hearing from Bill Gates was he was really concerned about making payroll and he really wanted to make sure that he had enough payroll to cover a year for his employees. And that goes back to the saying that we often hear is to whom much is given, much is expected. And I often see people want to be the boss, want to be the leader because they think, oh, they get all this freedom and they get to come and go as they please and nobody's telling them what to do. And then what happens is then instead of being worried about your own family and paying your own bills, you are now have the responsibility of making sure that there is income for those who are working for you. So it's an interesting concept. So I love that part. The other thing that was really interesting, and my husband and I were talking about this is Bill Gates. He's the computer guy, right? He is the computer guy. And guess what? He reads paper books, like physical books. 
and he writes on a notepad. So he has this analog side to him, which I think is fascinating. And I've played with the various things. I have an iPad, I have a Kindle, but I've also found that writing on paper is something that I just really enjoy. It helps me clear my thoughts. It helps me figure things out. And like I use Evernote, especially to do these show outlines is sometimes I'm like, okay, where is it? Like there's that physical idea of like, oh, it's in this notebook and it's kind of in the first third, the second third, the back half, being able to get to that. And I just don't have that set up for wired for my brain for the digital space. It's okay. If you're like, Corinne, I am digital 100%. I get it. You go. But this was again, another piece of common humanity for me. I'm like, wow, isn't that interesting? The other thing that I took away was not only is how much he's working on thinking about problems that he really wants to solve and realizing he can't solve every problem, but also the space to think. And how often do you give yourself space to think? And that actually can flow really well with talking about boundaries. Being able to give yourself that space to think is huge. The more I can get back in touch with me and my own knowing and what's inside of me, the way better I can show up for my world. So it's on Netflix, Inside Bill's Brain, Decoding Bill Gates. It's fantastic. Five stars. Love it, love it, love it. Let me know if you like it or hate it. It's all okay. Okay, so I used to have a lot of drama about this. Next thing, I had a story that, oh, it's so hard and I don't want to bother you and you're busy and I realize it's really difficult. And if you go back and listen to the old shows, that's exactly what I'd say. It's like, I understand it's really hard, but here are the steps. But here's the deal, you guys. I was so wrong. And one of the things is Apple has been updating things so that makes it easier. And what I'm talking about is leaving a review on the show. And one thing is I've noticed more and more of you are leaving reviews. So that kind of proves my new hypothesis that it's not as hard. Correct. One of the things that I notice is when you go into your phone and you go to how she really does it, there's a place to write reviews and you can leave five stars, which many of you are doing. I still want to hear what you have to say. So leave some words and you may be going, oh, but Corinne, I need to do the perfect answer. Let go of that. You can write about why do you listen to the show? Just share with that because your stories, your words help somebody else go, oh yeah, I should go listen to this. This actually, this is what I'm looking for. It helps them give information, especially nowadays that we're so more trained to listen to other people's opinions, like based on reviews, right? We look at Amazon reviews, or maybe you're in a Facebook group and you say, hey, what do you do? And people, you know, what do you do about where should I go stay with my infant? I saw that in a Facebook group this morning, but people are looking constantly for other people's advice. So you can share your story. So why do you listen to it? Maybe where do you listen to it? I love knowing where you guys listen to the show. So some people talk about walking their dogs. Some people, I had one somebody years ago who said, I do this while I'm doing housework. Great. Listening in the car. If that's what you want to share, share that. Other things you can talk about is what you've learned. What are your favorite things? What you like and don't like. So go and share your story of how this show makes a difference in your life. Okay. I've got a shout out right now for Swimmer. Isn't that interesting? Great show filled with so much practical and helpful information. It's so nice to know I'm not the only one and to gain practical and achievable insight from each episode. Thank you so much for your smiles and wisdom. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Establishing boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. So when you think of that word boundaries, what comes up for you? Do you start to feel tightness in your chest? Do you feel resistance? (laughs) Do you hate boundaries? (laughs) 
some people I work with are like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. I don't want boundaries because they have a belief that boundaries, their definition of boundaries is it's my way or the highway, or it was my parents' way or the highway. And I hate boundaries and you're not the boss of me and I want nobody to tell me what to do. But here's the thing, my friend, boundaries are not, it's my way or the highway. Boundaries are actually here to support you and others that you're in a relationship with. Boundaries, actually, when you have boundaries, connection can occur because people know like what's okay with you, what's not okay with you. They get to know what you like and what you don't like. So I'm a huge boundary lover because it helps us have clarity. It helps other people know us. And again, like I was talking about, you know, the Bill Gates docuseries, you may not love that. I love it. And you'll be like, oh, there's Corinne. She loves that kind of stuff. And I want nothing but that. I want, you know, fiction, vampires, whatever. That's okay. We can have different things and we can still get along. We just then know that you're not going to come over and watch Inside Bill Gates' mind, right? You're not going to watch that with me. That is okay. But we're so afraid to share our boundaries because we're like, oh, then they may not like me, or maybe we won't be friends, or they're going to think I'm too much, or they're going to think it's my way or the highway versus what are the things that you need so that you can support yourself so you can fully show up in this relationship. So boundaries help things to be clear. And you can think of it as an example of like, look, here's what's okay. Here's what's not okay. Maybe you're like, hey, it's not a problem. We're going to have an 11 o'clock coffee date or I guess a lunch date. If you come at 1120, I'm totally good with that. That may be great for you. That's not going to work for me, right? But I'm just giving you that example. Maybe you're like, that's not a problem at all. There's nothing wrong with that. People know that, right? So whether they're there at 11 or 1120, you're not going to have a problem with that. But they would know I would have a problem with that. And so we would either, if that was the case where they're always showing up at 20 minutes late, we'd probably be stop having lunch after some time of going through this. Or I might adjust and come at 1120, but there's still too much drama for me these days. Back in the day, I would just do that. Be like, well, they're going to be 20 minutes late. So I'll just be 20 minutes late, you know, and then to be this game and the stress and anxiety. I just didn't like it. So for me, I won't do that. So you're teaching people what's okay, what's not okay. You teach people how to treat you when you establish your boundaries and when you're clear about it. It also reduces drama like I was just discussing. And, and this is really important, it's scary. You get to share what's really important to you. If being on time is really important to you, you share that. Now, you know, let's think about it. Like for me, maybe you're like, no, 11 o'clock iPhone time on the dot period, right? Or maybe you're okay with like, okay, 11 to 11.02. So you've figured out maybe 11 to 11.05. What is that space that you are comfortable with? I can tell you this, when I call my clients, for the most part, I'm pretty much on the dot. Like I'm, if it's an 11 o'clock, I'm calling it 11. Sometimes it might be 11.01. Hopefully I don't get into 11.02. But I've built up a relationship. My clients know that I will be there. Okay. So here's an example. And this actually happens a lot with my clients is like, especially when it's because how we want to be perceived and viewed. And, you know, a lot of times for women, especially their weight becomes this issue of how are people perceiving me? And do you know, do they think I'm too fat? Do they think I'm not thin enough, whatever it may be in that realm. And it's so interesting because of what people think they've earned the right to say about your body and your appearance. And family members seem to think, oh, this is okay. You may be an adult, but I get to make comments about your weight. 
And so uh, this client who was really struggling with this because with this particular person, she was noticed she was no longer calling and checking in and didn't really want to go over and visit this family member. And so what she was doing was she was hiding away. And then that shame, which, you know, because she was feeling triggered by, oh, see, there's something wrong with me. I've got this weight issue. I know about it. It keeps being brought up. I don't want to talk about it. So my solution is just to go hide away. Sound familiar? But then on top of the shame, she'd get guilt from herself because, oh, I'm not really being a good family member. I'm not taking care of this. I'm hiding away and this person's really important and I want this person in my, my family's life. And so there was a struggle. Remember when I said boundaries are great because they help things be clear? So for her, it was getting really clear of why was it important to not you know, talk about this. What she wanted was not to talk about this topic with this person. And that's okay. That is her right. It's her body. If she doesn't want to discuss it, she can say, look, I don't want to talk about this. I love you. I don't want to talk about this. And so we talked about a framework of how do you share your boundary? And this person, the other thing that was a conflict was this person's really important to her. So she really wants to be in a relationship. So the framework that she now has is when she goes and talks to this person, she's going to explain to them, look, I love you. I really want to be here and I want my children to be around you. And here's the thing. My weight is no longer a topic for discussion. I understand you may be concerned. I've got this. And this is something I don't want to be talking about because I notice when we talk about it, my instinct is to go and hide and to disconnect, which gets in the way of my wanting to be connected with you, my wanting to have a loving, connected relationship, right? And we even talked about like saying that, you know, different words, not using the word shame because her family members aren't going to understand that. So the framework is, why do you want this boundary? Is it because you want connection and that's what this other person's going to want? Establish the boundary and then reestablish why you want it. So the same thing can happen in terms of the friend who's always late. You could say, look, I really enjoy our time together and I know you're busy and I'm really busy. And what happens is that I use a lot of brain juice because I'm like, is she going to be here at noon or is she going to be here at 1220? Is she going to be here at noon? Is she going to be here at 1220? Do I leave now or should I just wait because I can, you know, she won't be there till 1220. So it's like, I just want to reduce this. So what can we do so that we can establish a time that works well, both for both of us. And we can both honor it because this relationship is really important to me. It's almost like (laughs) this idea of two to one, two reasons why you care about this person. And one reason with the boundary, and you may need to circle back on that model a few times, right? Because they may then when you're establishing a boundary, here's what's okay. Here's what's not. It's like, Oh no, they get in their own shame storm of I did something wrong. So you may need to reestablish it over and over. Like you are really important to me. I do this with my kids. I'm like, look, I am on your team. I am on your side, right? I love you and I'm saying no. And here is why. And remember, I'm on your team and they may only hear I'm on your team, not even a third of the time, you know? So I say it over and over and over again. I have another example of this. So when I was in Australia, I didn't realize this, but my husband was a bit concerned about driving. You know, we call it the wrong side of the road, but the left side of the road. And so he had thought we were going to just do public transportation. We'll take trains and Ubers and stuff. What we learned in Australia is that's not really what they do there. They don't have very good public transportation compared to some parts of the US. And so at the airport, we wound up running this huge 
it's like a utility van. It's like seats 12 or something. It's a big Toyota bus. It says like Avis bus. It was called the bus. And it was big and awkward. Like I wouldn't even like to really drive it, you know, in the States because it's kind of big and it's high up and you have to worry about like when you go into parking garages. But then on top of it, you're sitting on the right side, which for us is the passenger side. And so he was really vulnerable. You know, he's this like, you know, athlete who could do stuff. Even if he's old, he still does stuff. And, you know, he's a person who can get things done and not get rattled. And oh my gosh, he was getting flustered driving and he was nervous. The women were nervous. The women swimmers were nervous. And every time you go to make a right-hand turn in the States, we move our right hand because that's where the signal is, I believe. Now I can't even remember where it is. But anyways, and that was the windshield wipers. No, I guess it's on the left-hand side. Whatever. I can't remember anymore. I just have to really concentrate even back home now. But he kept turning on the windshield wiper. So then they would mock him and they laugh and they, you know, and it was like, I could just feel the stress. Plus, you're trying to figure out where you're going. You don't, you know, try and make sure that you're on the correct side of the road. All this stuff was happening. So anyways, I'm like, there's no way I'm stepping in this arena. I don't need it. When I go do my work with my clients, I'm going to take an Uber. It's going to be fine. So we're at a swim meet and the first day at the swim meet, he comes up to me and he goes, you know, the way the timeline's working, some of the women could go back to the house and eat lunch and then can you bring them back? And I looked at him, I'm like, you want me to drive on the wrong side of the road? And he's like, yeah, of course. I was like, oh crap. I took a few deep breaths. I'm like, okay, I believe I can do it. I can figure this out. And I was bringing the group to the van and we got in the car and I turned around and I said to them, I go, here is the deal. I'm happy to drive you all back, but this is what needs to happen. None of you are allowed to talk except my person who's navigating me. You're not allowed to say one word. You're not allowed to laugh, make any comments. When we get to the house, you can criticize me. You can critique it. You can do whatever you want. But while I'm driving, I need pure silence except for the navigator who's going to tell me where to go. I need to be able to fully concentrate so that I can make sure I get you guys there safe as possible. And I said, I really want to get you there safely. I need 100% focus. And so no one's allowed to talk. And they kind of looked at me and one of them started piping up. I was like, no, no, no. If I'm going to drive, nobody's allowed to talk because I want to get you there safely. So we're driving along. And of course, somebody pops off and I said, here's a reminder. And we got to the house and, you know, they actually, and they might've made a couple comments and stuff, but, oh, they did. It was the windshield wipers, you know, because right hand turns and all of that. But that was all fine. And then I was driving them back and forth for a while. And then I got voted the best driver out of the group. And my husband was like, excuse me, because we are a competitive family. And he didn't really like that. And then later on, maybe a few days later, he's like, you did what? I go, look, I established boundaries. I saw what wasn't working with you. And I knew what I needed so that I could safely drive your swimmers. So this is what I established. I established these boundaries and it worked. And then as I got better at driving and more comfortable and really being focused and deliberate with what hand you use for the signal light, I could allow for more and more noise. But originally, in the very beginning, when I was that newbie on the quote, wrong side of the road, that is what I did. I established those boundaries and I did it ahead of time. So I looked at what wasn't working for somebody else. And I thought about what is it that I need to support me to get an outcome that we all wanted. They wanted to be safe. They were very, very nervous about what was going down. So those are two examples. One is somebody saying something to you. Another is going into a situation. Now, when somebody says something to you and you later reflect about it and you're angry about it, the beauty is you can decide ahead of time 
on what you want to say and what you want to establish. And that's what I did going into the arena of myself driving the van, right? I thought about it. I got really clear about what I needed and then I established it. And it wasn't in response to me. It was in response to something else I saw. Now for my client, she's had this experience and this history of having this topic. And so then for her to then decide, she had two options. She could wait until the next time this family member said something which is actually what she wanted to do. She wanted to be pretty passive about it. She's like, oh, that's going to take a lot of courage. I really don't want to do that. And I said, well, you could do that. And then know that you'll be triggered and you'll be in shame. And then you'll have to get out of shame and get yourself over to being rooted in compassion so that you can establish a boundary without gladiating. Because oftentimes what we do, it looks like a boundary and we'll be like, you're a jerk. You can't talk about this. It's not allowed. That's just puffing up and gladiating. And that's not as helpful because then they're not going to listen. They take offense to you calling them a jerk and so on and so forth. And the drama ensues. So we talked about was deciding ahead of time and when she could have this conversation and state, I love you. You're important to me. I want to have connection. And I noticed that when we have these conversations, when you talk about these things, my way to protect myself is to disengage from you, which then goes against what it is that I want to have with you. So your, our relationship's really important. Can we take this topic off the table? That way we can really just work on connecting ourselves because you're really important to me. So deciding that ahead of time. So that is a scenario of you go through something, you have experience, you have history of a relationship being a certain way with a lack of boundaries, and then you go and you establish them. When I was talking about the van, the van's way is I saw something happen else here. I knew what I needed and I asked for it. And then afterwards, I thanked them. I said, thank you so much. It's a win-win, right? You guys are safe. I was able to get here with less drama in my head. Now there's another time you're going to be like, but Karen, what about if you have a boundary and somebody knows about the boundary, yet they still break it? I get that. So we have this boundary in place in my own marriage of, I don't like to talk about certain topics after nine o'clock at night or really in the evening after 8.30, because If they are my own triggers about certain things, then my head can spin and I'll be like dress rehearsing tragedy all night. So I'd much rather do that in the morning, even if I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to talk about some of this stuff because I'm rested. Even if I'm getting up at 4.30, I'm still more rested. My capacity has grown and I can think about this and then I have the day to process it versus getting a problem at night and my brain needing to solve it at night when I'm pretty much done. My capacity has been pretty tapped out. I've utilized everything I've had in there. Like the cup is empty, right? And then my brain is spinning and spinning and spinning and I don't sleep. And then guess what? I can't really take care of anybody else. I can't really serve anybody else. And it becomes this downward spiral. So recently my husband had come home and there were some different issues. There's some work issues and some personal issues. And I knew we were going to talk about the personal issues, how to do with our family. And that was really important. And he also started, he goes, he started listing them. He listed like a work problem and, you know, and then eventually got to our family stuff. And I was like, wait, 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 we don't talk about work stuff at night because then my brain spins, you know, and and he's like, it's an urgency thing. And really there wasn't an urgency thing because this was something that wasn't going to happen for like four or five days. So it didn't really have to happen. But notice when somebody's trying to override your boundary, they'll, send an urgency or like, oh, this is a once in a lifetime. Like I had a a situation like that recently with somebody else. I was like, oh, look at this special opportunity. So therefore this boundary needs to be, you know, squashed. 
people will do that because they want to, they're feeling uncomfortable with this whole thing and you have to check in, do you have the capacity to deal with their discomfort in that, right? And not go into, oh, I'm a bad wife because here's the thing, I'd be a worse wife the next day if I dealt with it and then my brain was spinning all night long and I woke up and I'd be grumpy and I'd be resentful and then I'd be pretty mad at him and at some point had to notice like, wait a second, we have this rule (laughs) because I was kind of even confused. I'm like, you know about this rule. In fact, all my clients know about this rule because I've shared with them about here's a boundary I have and this is why it's so important. So I'm, I'm kind of watching him going, why are you breaking this rule? We, this is not what we talk about, but he did. He tried to, and it was up to me to hold my boundary in place and say, this is not something I'm willing to talk to tonight. And he could judge it. He could not like it but I did not have the capacity. And that's really, really important. So when you need to establish boundaries in the moment, get really clear of like, what is? So for that one, it's really easy because it was already a boundary that had been established for many years. I was like, oh wait, this is what we do. And pay attention, notice. And I had to drop down in my own compassion of not thinking, oh, he's being a jerk or he disrespects me. It's like, oh, This is heightened for him, but right now I don't have the capacity to handle this and it won't work for either of us if I try to fake it through because there will be a huge cost. So I want you to think about a relationship in your life and get really specific because this can help you because you're going to say, well, Corinne, what boundary do I establish? But here's how you're going to do this. Do it in one area and then you're going to be able to apply it in other areas. So think about one relationship in your life where you have anger. So Harriet Lerner, who's been on the show before, will be in the show notes to the interview, but we talked about the dance of anger and she has a book called The Dance of Anger. And what she says is that anger is about boundaries being broken. So if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't even know what boundaries I have. Just go to an area that you've been angry with somebody that typically is where your boundaries have been broken. You may not be clear that those are your boundaries, but that's what they are. So write down what are the boundaries being broken by this other person? Now, my next question is, do they even know what your boundaries are? Have you ever shared with them? Or do you just get pissed because they show up 20 minutes late and they're so disrespectful of your time? Every time they come in, they go, I'm so sorry. And you're like, oh, that's fine. (laughs) You haven't been clear with them that it's not actually fine, but you're like, don't want to be perceived as not being nice, right? So have you shared your boundaries with them? If not, that is something to clarify. Just like with my client and her weight, she needs to share that boundary. Now, here's my next question for you. Do you believe that if they cared enough about you, they would honor your boundaries, right? That could have been the story with my husband. Like, oh, if he was really respectful, if he really loved me, he wouldn't bring up this work issue at nine o'clock at night. No, people, it's not about respecting you. It's you have to respect your own boundaries. Sometimes people are in their own stuff and they can't see it. And so they're trying to get help from it without saying, hey, do you have the capacity right now? Sometimes, especially in marriages, we have a belief of, if I need you now, you must be here right now, disregarding what is your capacity, right? So that can be what's going on. It's your responsibility to support your boundary. I often say that boundaries are your fence posts. It's your work to maintain them and make sure they're standing up. You get to decide who can lean on your boundaries And when somebody pushes them down, you get to decide, what do you say? And oftentimes they'll say their fence has a gate and you can let people in and let people out. That's up to you. The fence post is your boundaries. You establish it and you get to ask for what you want. So 
people will resist your boundaries. They may not like your boundaries because it may not be convenient for them. And that's okay. And over time, again, going back to the, we'll use the example of somebody who comes 20 minutes later over time and you've established and said, Hey, look, I understand like on occasion that, you know, we're not going to be perfect and, you know, time misers and stuff. But over time, this 20 minutes is just getting a bit old, you know, and maybe we had an hour set up. I'm still have a heart out at noon or this is not something that I want to spend a whole lot of time and energy doing in the future because it just creates a lot of brain juice for me. And you can be really clear and maybe you will stop having lunch with this person or maybe the person will start to shift and be, you know, more on time for you, for the relationship. So be clear on why you're setting the boundary, right? Is it for connection to reduce brain juice drama? In the case with the van, like for me, it was about creating safety (laughs) for myself, for the people I was driving around and for the Australian people that I wouldn't crash into them. When my daughter was little and she didn't want to have nap time anymore and she was like, I just want to be out. And I said, well, here's the deal. I need you to have quiet time because I need quiet time. And then if I have quiet time, I'm going to be more engaged as a mom afterwards, right? This is how it's like saying no to her coming out of her room and me needing to play with her was actually going to say yes to me connecting with her later on. So when we say no, what are we then saying yes to? So I want you to test it out. Again, go back and think about somebody that you've been angry with in a relationship. What are the boundaries that they have broken? Have you shared the boundary with them? Are you willing to own it? What do you make it mean when they disrespect your boundary? And then remind yourself that it's your job to support your boundaries. Because when you support your boundaries, boundaries support you. And boundaries can be a great thing of letting you know who are the people that you want to surround yourself with. So establish boundaries in your life. Give yourself permission to ask for what you want. Remember, it's your job to support your boundaries and keep them up and know why you're doing it. Is it to establish more connection? Is it to establish clarity? Is it to establish so that you can be the best version of you in your life? All right, you guys, it's October 2019 and I'm opening up some, I have a client that's finishing out with coaching. So if you're ready for one-on-one coaching, I have a private coaching spot that's opening up. Click in the link to apply to let me know you're ready for some coaching. And this is where we take all this good stuff here on the show and we actually apply it in your life and it's personalized to you. It's one-on-one. You don't have to go through a ton of content. I meet you where you're at. I coach you. And you can start to do those shifts and transformations yourself. So you're going to take the intellectual learning in here and create it and apply it in your life so that you can live the life that you want instead of the life you're supposed to or you have been living. Until next time, I'm smiling big for you. I have an awesome opportunity for you to save your brain juice. Go subscribe to this show in iTunes or whatever medium that you use. That way the show is always there waiting for you And you don't have to waste any precious brain juice to remember of, oh, I need to go find it. Where is it? Or wait for it to download. It'll be there waiting for you. Go hit subscribe. The link is in the show notes. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting.